Hello, food nerds. Welcome back to another episode of Literally Delicious. I'm Nick, and on this week's episode, I will be making beef empanadas from Isabel Allende's Daughter of Fortune. Beef empanadas are just delicious handheld snacks. You can eat them anywhere, anytime, and I'm really excited to try my hand at making these lovely little snacks. This is my first time that I'm going to make beef empanadas, or really any kind of empanada, and I'm going to be sticking to the recipe that would be very similar to, I think, what someone would make in the 19th century in Gold Rush, California. Yeah, so we're going back to one of those episodes where I try to hack my way through historical documents and the text to try to make a recipe that probably wouldn't exist these days because we have refrigeration, the plenty of eggs and uh, fresh dairy at our uh, services. So this is going to be an empanada recipe informed by Isabel Allende's Daughter of Fortune and uh, some research that I've done into making pastry. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode with a little discussion of Daughter of Fortune. Daughter of Fortune, as I mentioned, is a book by Isabel Allende, uh, one of her sort of middle of her career novels. Allende was born in Peru to Chilean parents and later evacuated the country to Venezuela because uh, one Salvador Allende, president of Chile in the early 70s, was her father's cousin, and he was assassinated when he was president. I'll actually be bringing him up a little bit later on in today's episode because he has a funny connection to empanadas. So Allende travels to the United States where she settles down and begins to write a lot of novels like Daughter of Fortune, which explore the migrant experience from the United from Chile to the United States. So, Chile is a country on the western coast of South America. It's an extremely thin, narrow country, that is, with lots of coastline and also lots of beautiful landscape all throughout the country. Daughter of Fortune takes place in, I'll try to get this right because I looked it up, Valparaiso, Chile. And this is a little coastal town where the main character, Elisa, is adopted by an English Protestant family who's settled in Valparaiso. Her uncle, as he's called, is a sailor, while her aunt, or Miss Rose, is a very talented seamstress, chef, and she keeps this beautiful mansion where a lot of fellow English expats like to get together to throw parties. The main plot of the story revolves around Elisa's love affair and how she eventually sneaks her way out of Chile and into the United States to follow her love interest, Joaquin, who was on the pursuit of gold, as so many were in the middle part of the 19th century. As she gets to California, she finds it very difficult to find 
her lover uh, in the onrush of many, many migrants who went to California in the hopes of striking it rich with gold. Um, really, the book does a fantastic job of, of talking about all the diverse people who flocked to California from Chileans to Chinese to other Americans from the East Coast and people all the way from France and other places in Europe who were struck by the desire and the want for some gold and for some quick riches. So as it happens and has it happened historically and as Allende goes into some detail about in the book, wherever there was gold, there was actually more of a lucrative career to be made in supporting the miners who were looking for gold. And so that's exactly what Elisa does in uh, her stay in Sacramento. She makes a livelihood uh, or something like uh, just a way to, a means to an end uh, by way of selling empanadas, Chilean empanadas made with beef. And so I'm going to read for you now from Daughter of Fortune about Elisa's empanada business. Elisa organized a business in empanadas, delicious meat pies, which she sold at the price of gold, first to Chileans and then to North Americans, who quickly became addicted to them. She had begun making them with beef when she was able to buy it from the Mexican ranchers who drove cattle from Sonora. But since the meat was often scarce, she experimented with venison, hare, wild geese, turtle, salmon, and even bear. Her faithful customers gratefully ate them all because the alternatives were canned beans and salt pork, the unvarying diet of the miners. No one had time to hunt, fish, or cook. There were no greens or fruits to be had, and milk was a luxury, rarer than champagne. There was no shortage, however, of flour and fat and sugar, nuts, chocolate, some spices, dried peaches and plums were also available. Elisa's pastries and cookies enjoyed the same success as the empanadas. So what do we learn about what went into these empanadas from that short passage there? Well, I will be honest with you, I'm not going to be too experimental in my recipe today. I'm going to stick to the beef. So this will be some good times empanadas. But on the other hand, milk was a luxury rarer than champagne, the author writes. And that's because milk was a pretty laborious process and it would take a lot of capital to, to have a cow and to raise the cow and to continue to milk it each day. So milk was not an option for the pastry. And as I looked at many recipes for empanadas for today's episode, I saw that many called for milk, so we will have to make do without milk today. Though, as we go further on in the passage, she says that she could get her hands on eggs, which will be making a small part in today's pastry dough. But what is a Chilean empanada? So Chilean empanada, uh, beef empanadas, or empanadas de pino, are uh, minced meat, which is finely chopped meat, some spices, onion, and three unique ingredients, olives, raisins for a little bit of sweetness, and hard-boiled eggs. So since the author makes mention that Elisa could 
get dried peaches and plums, dried fruits, and eggs. That gives me a lot of confidence that those ingredients could be in Elisa's beef empanadas, which I'm going to take you into the kitchen now to make. And while there, I'll share some other fun facts about the empanada, but just for a little brief history so that we know exactly what we're talking about when we talk about empanadas. We're talking here about square empanadas, which are unique to Chilean empanadas. The dough is made with lard, mostly, and it could be fried, but it's most often baked al horno, which means in a wood-fired oven. According to historians, the empanada came from Spain, uh, from the northern part of Spain called Galicia, since uh, at least the 13th century, and it was actually part of the culinary heritage of Arabs who had to abandon Spain but had left their empanadas there. There's a verb in Spanish called empanar, which just means to wrap in bread. So empanadas can be found all throughout South America, Latin America, and the Caribbean as a result of colonization. Um, one quoted in one article is Constance Hamilton, a food writer in Santiago, who says, Our empanadas were introduced by the Spaniards, as in other Latin American countries. First, the Spaniards in Chile were conquistadors, uh, led by Pedro de Valdivia, who headed south from Peru in the 16th century and began settling the narrow strip of land between the Andes and the sea. So we can place empanadas in Chile as sometime taking part in Chile at some point after the 16th century. The forebearer of the empanada, I thought this was an interesting uh, fun fact, the Galician empanada, which uh, the modern empanada originates from, isn't the handheld pie that we imagine it today. It was actually two large pie crust baked in a round pie plate or rectangular dish. So I imagine more akin with a chicken pot pie. The dough was also yeasted, which meant that it rose. And its fillings usually included bell peppers and onion, along with a protein, commonly tuna or chicken. The pie is sliced into individual squares for serving, and whenever they are cut up and divvied out like that, they look a little bit more like the empanadas that we imagine today. So fast forward a little bit. The empanada craze in Chile was noted by Salvador Allende, who, as I mentioned earlier in the top of this episode, the uh, father, her father's cousin, uh, Isabel Allende's father's cousin. Sorry, that's kind of a complicated family tree to explain here. He became the president of Chile in 1970, and he called for a revolution flavored with red wine and empanadas, making the latter Chile's national dish. So I'm very excited here to take you into the kitchen and make Chile's national dish for you using ingredients that Elisa would have had in Gold Rush, California in the mid 19th century. Okay, before we go into the kitchen here, I just wanted to remind you that if you would like to recommend a recipe or a book for me to make some food from, go to literallydelishpod at gmail.com, send us an email, and we're looking forward to reading your recommendations. You should also go to Instagram at literallydelishpod 
and give the account a follow. There you will see the recipe for today's episode, as well as images and other food fun. So without further ado, let's get into the kitchen, food nerds. Why just read it when you can eat it? Hello, food nerds. Welcome into the kitchen. Tonight, we are making empanadas de pino or beef empanadas from Chile as made by Elisa in Isabel Allende's Daughter of Fortune. Now, these empanadas are known in the story to be worth their weight in gold, so I hope that I can live up to the hype here. This is my first time making empanadas, but I'm very excited. I'm going to let you know about some of the ingredients that I have already prepared for the pino or the filling for the empanadas. I have three medium-sized yellow onions diced small. My enamel Dutch oven is over a medium heat with about two tablespoons of olive oil. I have set aside one pound of ground beef. A little note on the ground beef here. Empanadas in Chile are made with minced beef, which is actually different than ground beef. I didn't realize this until I did my research into it. All beef in the United States is pretty much known as ground beef whenever it's been put through some sort of process, which cubes it and dices it and makes it into very uh, small and consistent uh, textures. However, ground beef is often uh, mixed in with lots of added fats and water, sometimes some salt and soy. So these fillers are what makes, uh, is what makes ground beef look so consistent. However, minced meat is just meat taken and chopped up very finely, no additional fat added. Since I couldn't find minced meat for today's recipe, I'm going to use a 90-10 grass-fed beef. Okay, so that's 90% lean, 10% fat, because that is going to ultimately lend our final empanada more beefy flavor. It has less fat, so the texture will be more akin to uh, minced beef. I'm gonna add this into my enamel Dutch oven along with my onions. Should hear a nice sizzle because we want this to start browning right away. Ah, nice, that's what we like to hear. Onions in. Okay, while those saute away uh, for about five, 10 minutes, let me tell you about the spice mix that I created for the empanadas. I started with two teaspoons of smoked paprika, and then I added to it a quarter teaspoon of ground coriander. This is very similar to a spice that they have in Chile called merken, and it's actually a Mapuche word, and the Mapuche are uh, indigenous people of Chile. So they make their merken with a different kind of smoked chili and uh, coriander seed and salt. Uh, coriander is just another name for cilantro, cilantro seed. So I ground up the two teaspoons of smoked paprika, quarter teaspoon of coriander seed, one teaspoon of ground cumin seed, and two teaspoons of oregano. And so those will be the seasonings, along with salt and pepper, for our beef filling. So, 
I'm going to let this beef and onion sweat down for a little bit here and then I'll take you into the pastry phase of our empanadas. Don't go anywhere. Okay, food nerds. Once your beef is browned and all broken up, you can start by adding in your spice mix, salt, and pepper. About a teaspoon of each. This is gonna be the main flavoring for our empanada filling and we can always add more in later and adjust the seasoning accordingly. It's very important, according to Chilean uh, empanada makers, including Claudio Zunino, who is quoted in a BBC.com travel article. The secret to a good empanada, he says, is cooking the filling the night before to give the flavor time to ripen and develop. And that's exactly what we're doing here. I'm going to form and stuff my empanadas and bake them off tomorrow night. So I'm gonna make the filling in the pastry the night before because the pastry also needs 24 hours to rest in the refrigerator. That's gonna make it a lot easier for us to work with. Don't forget to keep stirring up your beef so that nothing sticks here. Once you've incorporated your spice mix, you can then add your half a cup of low sodium beef stock. Okay, gonna stir this in and lower the temperature on the stovetop to a medium low and let this simmer down for 30 minutes, during which time we can get started on our pastry. Okay. The empanada pastry that I'm making is going to be similar to other hot water pastries that you might have made before, if you've made those before. Hot water pastry is a combination of hot fat and hot water. You may remember it from the cornbread episode, as uh, the cornbreads we had made were hot water cornbreads. So I'm turning on a medium-high heat a 100 mls of water. I'll be doing a lot of measurements in milliliters tonight uh, so as to keep things very, very accurate. 100 mls of water and a half a cup of lard. So before you get uh, very, very concerned about lard and know that it looks a little bit different than what we are used to, let me uh, hopefully help you rest assured in using lard because it contains less saturated fat and more healthy unsaturated fats, or healthier, I should say, healthier unsaturated fats than butter. So, in this saute pan, I'm going to bring the lard and the water just to a boil and then take it off the heat. According to the official Chile government website, Chilean empanadas are made with just wheat flour, lard, and brine to make a dough. So we are going to be following something very, very similar here today with some slight uh, amendments here, including something that I know for sure Elisa from Daughter of Fortune had on hand because it's literally mentioned, I think, every other page, and that is some booze, okay? We're going to add 50 milliliters of booze to our pastry crust. Why might we be adding booze? Well, you see, since milk was more expensive than champagne, 
I thought that alcohol would be more readily available. And alcohol in pastry dough also has this uh, really cool tendency. Uh, scientifically, it will evaporate much more quickly than water. So what that will do is reduce the amount of gluten for a crumblier and flakier pastry dough because gluten in pastry will lead to uh, chewiness like a bread. And we want something that is a little bit more crisp and flaky. So by substituting a little bit of our water in the pastry dough with alcohol, in this case, I'm going to use Applejack because as we talked about in episode five, the Jack Rose episode, Applejack is one of the oldest and old, true American spirits. So 50 mLs of Applejack will go into, I'm gonna use my food processor here for this. Uh, my food processor full of three cups of all-purpose flour and one egg. And I'm going to whiz those up here and the texture that I am looking for should be something crumbly. So not uniform, but a crumbly texture. Oh, and don't forget your uh, one teaspoon of salt should also go in with the flour. Okay, so I'm gonna whiz up my food processor here. Be right back. Okay, taking my hot lard and water mixture off of the heat now that the lard is all melted and the water has just come to a boil, and I'm going to slowly, slowly, slowly drizzle this into the food processor until a dough starts to form. Then I'm going to take that dough ball out of the food processor and begin working it on a floured work surface into a nice, very solid ball of dough, okay? Here we go, I'm going to take my food processor over toward my microphone. And each time that I'm blitzing just a little bit of the lard and water, I'm going to scrape down the bowl of the food processor. You may also use your stand mixer here. In fact, it'd probably work a lot easier than the food processor, but I'm being lazy. I know that this wasn't around in the mid 19th century, but I don't care. So I'm gonna keep blitzing my flour, egg, and uh, fat mixture. And when it becomes a, a dough, I'm going to move it to my work station. Be right back. All right, food nerds, welcome back. I kneaded my empanada dough until it was a nice smooth consistency, uh, a little stretchy. You can still see a little bit of the fat kind of congealed in it, and that's a good sign. That's gonna lead to some flakiness here after we bake. It was starting to look a little bit dry, so I brushed my long log of pastry dough with a little bit of olive oil just to help lubricate the rolling out process, which is what we are about to do right now. So I've got about a, I would say, two foot long snake of dough, which is about an inch and a half thick all around. I'm gonna cut this into, I'm looking for 12 different, uh, or 12 equally sized so as I measure it, I'm getting should be about two inches each. So I can use my uh, very handy tool, the dough cutter here, 
and just make marks every two inches along the snake so that I know where I should be cut. As they say, measure twice, cut once, right? And one, two, and then there's the end. Okay, so I'm gonna just, with my bench scraper or dough cutter, whatever you wanna call it, just cut off little chunks two inches wide of dough here. And I'm going to roll these out into discs. And those discs will be our empanadas. Okay, I'm gonna put a little bit of flour on my work surface here and tell you about rolling these. I've got my rolling pin here and one ball of dough. What I'm actually gonna do first is kind of form the dough into a ball in my hands. And then taking my rolling pin, going to start just squishing it down some, and then working from the middle out. I want something that's no more than a quarter inch thick all the way around. And of course, knowing me and my lack of baking skills, mine are gonna look very rustic, but take your time with this here. You want something that looks nice and is actually circular so that they are easier to stuff whenever it becomes time to stuff. Okay, so I'm pretty happy with how this one turned out. It looks more like a heart than a perfect circle. So whenever you are finished rolling each one, you're going to move it to a plate with parchment paper in between each layer. And then you're gonna move your dough into the refrigerator for 24 hours until you are ready to bake them off. Okay, so I got my beef uh, just about ready to come off the heat and wait its 24 hours to be packed into an empanada and then baked. I'm going to finish rolling out my other 11 pieces of pastry dough here and I'll catch you all back in 24 hours to make some empanadas. See you right back here later. Hello food nerds, welcome back into the kitchen. It's been 24 hours since I made the empanada dough and filling for our beef empanadas. And now it's time to stuff. So let me tell you about some of the hardware that I have with me here before I begin stuffing. I have my oven set to 375 degrees and I got a large baking sheet lined with parchment paper. Also, I have in a bowl some egg that I'm mixing here together now with water to make an egg wash. I also have assembled my empanada pastry, my filling, which I've both uh, had in the fridge for 24 hours and I've just taken out of the fridge. I made three hard-boiled eggs and quartered them. So uh, the way that I make my hard-boiled eggs is a 10-minute preparation. I first bring water to a boil and then I lower the heat down to a very low simmer after I drop the eggs in and cover with a lid. And then I just let the eggs chill out in the simmering water for 10 minutes and they always come out with a nice set white and a yolk that is just cooked the way through but not overcooked because these are going to go into our empanadas. I also have about a quarter cup of raisins which will go into the empanadas 
and 24 pitted olives, roughly 24 olives. You don't have to count them exactly, but we're going to put two olives in per empanada. Uh, other things to have nearby, something to dose out your filling with. I'm using this ice cream scoop, which is a third cup. Um, I also use it for muffins, but basically anything where I have to measure something out and I want to get it consistent, this uh, is always a handy tool to use. So let's start by talking about filling the empanadas here, getting yourself all situated. You want to have your egg wash nearby and you're going to first place your empanada down. It's about eight inches in diameter from how we made it. And I'm just going to brush along the inside edges with the egg wash to promote everything sticking together. Next, I'm going to take a muffin scoop of filling and I'm going to place it on sort of one half of the empanada so that I might save the other half to fold over. To that, I'm going to add just a sprinkle of raisins, pushing those down in there. One of the hard-boiled egg quarters just goes right on top. And then two olives. I'll just push those into the filling off to the side. Okay? So, everything should fit comfortably within the dough so that whenever you fold it over, taking the side that doesn't have the stuffing and folding it over top of the filling now and pressing it down. Everything should fit nice and snugly. Nothing poking over the side. Now the next part is the fold and that's what makes this a Chilean empanada. Take the sides and fold them over creating a seal. Okay. And then take the top part and fold that over top to seal your empanada envelope here. So it should look it should look rectangular, not very semicircular as empanadas we may be used to. Okay, and then the last thing I'm going to want to do for each empanada is poke a little hole in it. That's going to vent the steam, which will uh, be created by the beef mixture cooking inside of the empanada. And then last but not least, make sure that using a brush or just your fingers, you brush the outside of the empanada with your egg wash making sure that you get the corners especially because those have the greatest surface area and those are gonna get nice and crispy and you want it to look nice and shiny here by use of the egg wash. Okay, so I have some empanadas to fill up. Uh, exactly 12 more empanadas here and then I am going to place them in my 375 degree preheated oven for 35 minutes, okay? So, I will check back in with you and provide an empanada update here shortly. Stay tuned. All right, food nerds, it's been 35 minutes, and 
I've taken my empanadas out of the oven and let them cool for a little while on the baking sheet. Um, if you wanted to check to make sure yours are cooked all the way through, just take its temperature. You're looking for an internal temperature of 165 and uh, you want a nice golden brown sheen on the outside. I'll bring one over here and kind of tap on it. Gab's here, by the way. <laughs> Hi, Gab. Hi, food nerds. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so they sound really crispy, really crunchy. Did you do any sort of, like, egg wash? That's exactly what we did. So when you split one open here, it should be nice and juicy in the middle. Here, Gab. These are empanadas de pino, traditional of chili. They have beef that's been cooked with onions and mm -hmm. lots of smoked chili peppers, um, a little bit of cilantro seed, coriander seed, and uh, they also have raisins for some sweetness, mm -hmm. olives for a little saltiness, and the real kicker and the real traditional ingredient is the hard-boiled egg. So shall we taste? Of course. Cheers. Cheers. Mmm. That's really good. Mm -hmm. Did you get a raisin? I did. Isn't the sweetness the like... The sweetness is interesting. It's something really nice because yeah. beef salty. You can make it as spicy as you'd like. We didn't make these very spicy. I think it all works together because the beef is like super savory and has that like umaminess. Mm -hmm. And then the like olives add the like, little punch of salt. Yeah. But then the raisins like sort of like create this like warm sweetness that I think is just like great in an empanada because it's meant to be served warm and it's like meant to have that like rusticity. Yeah, mine certainly look very rustic. One thing that I learned is that when making this empanada dough, mm -hmm. it turns out super flaky, right? Uh -huh. It's really delicious. It's really good. Um, but it's difficult to work with until it begins to cool off or no, it was in the fridge. We wanted to warm up a little bit. <laughs> Just the opposite of cool off. We wanted to warm up, and then it was a little bit easier to work with. My corners kind of rose up off the end, but the dough. The dough is really great. What else could you use this dough for? Is it just for empanadas, or are there other sort of pastries you could use this dough in? This would make a really good, like, a turnover. It's mm -hmm. not an empanada. Yeah. A hand pie. Um like a pot pie. Mm -hmm. If you want something that's a little bit like sturdier, because you know, pot pies. A little flaky. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, pot pies got like really soft dough yeah. to break into it. This is like a, a real sturdy it dough. It has some substance to it. One thing that I really love is how all the ingredients like flavor each other mm -hmm. inside of the empanada. The raisins actually absorb the, the juice from the meat filling and they swell up mm -hmm. and then they let out some of their sweetness and as I take another bite here they all draw really good yeah what are your thoughts on like having the egg in the empanada so yeah the egg it's interesting I've never had I think a hard-boiled egg that's served warm mm-hmm this is a Chilean tradition mm-hmm I like it it definitely makes it a little bit harder to fold kind of found myself as I was folding the empanadas like trying to corral like the olives rolling this way and the <laughs> egg is rolling the other way yeah so um I think that everything just works together and 
it's super traditional and we don't want to mess with tradition here. It's really good. So the kicker, Gad, I didn't mention this. There's a secret ingredient in the pastry dough. Do you want to guess what it is? Yep. Okay, go ahead. Beef fat. Uh, pork lard. Whatever, that's what I meant. That is definitely one of the ingredients, and that's not the secret ingredient. There's applejack oh, in the dough. Oh, really? Uh-huh. It is... What does it do? It is just a replacement for some water, so it leads to less gluten mm-hmm. and a little bit more flakier of a crust. A little flakier, not more flakier. So the applejack that you bought for... Was it a Hemingway cocktail? Mm-hmm. Multi-purpose. We love a multitasker in the Yeah, kitchen. we don't waste on LDP. Mm-mm. Okay. Well, final verdict on the empanadas, Gab? Pretty damn good. I agree. Literally delish, right? Mm-hmm. All right, food nerds. Stick around for some last bite action, and stay tuned for next week's episode. Make sure that you follow along on Instagram at Literally Delish Pod, where you'll see my recipe for my empanadas and pictures from today's episode. Can we give the food nerds a little sneak peek about what's coming next week? Mmm, a little sneaky peek. Um, I think we are going to go to a place and a cuisine that perhaps you've never experienced before. So someplace completely new, we're going to make another dish that I've never made again. Amazing. Stay tuned, food nerds. Watch this space. This will be (laughs) interesting. (laughs) Gab is the real hero here for so bravely trying everything Mm -hmm. without really getting much warning ahead of time about what's in it. Yeah. I think if I had too much warning, like if I knew there was straight up pork lard in this, I, I don't know. But lard is delicious. It is. And it has less saturated fat than butter. butter. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's basically health food. Basically. Okay. On that note, food nerds, it's time to head on out for some last bite. Stick around for dessert. And what should the food nerds do, Gab? (laughs) As always, y'all should stay hungry. Stay hungry, food nerds. Stay hungry. Bye. Thank you so much, food nerds, for listening to today's episode. We really hope that you enjoyed these empanadas from Isabel Allende's Daughter of Fortune. So if you did enjoy today's episode, it would mean a lot if you could share today's episode on social media or leave a nice review or rating on whatever podcast platform that you listen to this podcast on. We really appreciate your kind words, and we really appreciate whenever you all engage with us on our social medias. So thank you to everyone. You all make this podcast really, really fun, and it's just been a blast to make so much new food and to share with you all. So in the spirit of sharing, I would like to share two little fun facts today for today's last bite. One fun fact about empanadas in Chile And one fun fact about our author of the day, Isabel Allende. So, empanadas in Chile are actually part of a national tradition during the holidays uh, around September 18th. They represent the beginning of spring, 
and uh, are often enjoyed alongside lots of wine during Chile's uh, national holidays on uh, September 18th. Another little fun fact about uh, our author here today, Isabel Allende, is that she has a foundation called the Isabel Allende Foundation that seeks to uh, empower women and help women and girls in both Chile and San Francisco area, so two areas very close to the author's heart. So she actually used profits from one of her books. In fact, it was a nonfiction work called Paula about her uh, young daughter. So she used the profits from that book in the late 90s to create this foundation. So uh, if you would check that foundation out, uh, that would be wonderful. And uh, this was a really wonderful author to study and a really awesome book to read here for you all today. And I hope that you will stop by next week for some more food fun as we tackle a new dish from a work of literature. Stay hungry, food nerds. Mm -hmm.